Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Here's Armstrong and Getty. We got this email. You know, and I'm not going to name check everybody because I, I, I want to be fair about it because there are differences between some of the opinions that have been expressed. Although some of them just been flat freaking stupid. One prominent commentator was high handedly lecturing uh, her audience that Ukraine is not a real country. It's never existed. They all speak Russian, which will come as news to Ukrainians. Uh, but that's just a for instance. As if and, that would make a difference anyway, because if we invade Canada, who speaks the same language as us, that doesn't mean it's okay. Well, well, right. Yeah, clearly. And then we got this uh, this email uh, from a fellow who's emailed us a couple of times uh, lately 
Um, I've heard a lot from alternate news sources about how corrupt the Ukrainian government and Zelensky are. They're Hunter Biden's old pals, remember? Russia's GDP is in oil and natural gas, and now we have globalists pushing for a green Manhattan project, which means cutting the world's oil supply off completely. Of course, I'm opposed to Ukrainian children being bombed, but it's as though the globalists, Soros and, Soros and friends, set a trap for Putin in the Ukraine, and he stepped right into it. Something about U.S.-owned germ factories in Ukraine. True or false, I have no idea. The fact that Putin is anti-LGBT is icing on that cake. As a Christian, I'm certainly not going to go to war against Putin or anyone for that reason. I hope I'm wrong, but I think that when the dust settles, the world will look very differently. They're bent on getting their great reset. Uh, I have no... We don't... Uh, don't look for me at the next We Hate Putin rally. Wow, okay. that is interesting. There's so many things there to unpack... First of all, I want to mention the whole globalist term. A lot of people I like in the media, as soon as they heard the heard the term globalist, they assume you're doing the dog whistle about Jews being the puppet masters of the world. I don't think that's what people always mean. I think no, I've, I've never no. bought that. I think there's plenty of people that are worried about globalists. I'm worried about globalists that doesn't have anything to do with Jews, but that is often the case. Right. As as a guy who is honestly trying to get to the truth and communicate the truth to you, I will tell you the globalism thing has nothing to do with an international cabal of anything. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there are certainly the powerful and rich people who want more globalism because it makes them richer and to hell with the American worker, for instance. Uh, but, you know, that's an economic debate and, and there's no reason to go into weird rabbit holes of conspiracy and, and, and pizza sex tra- trafficking or any of that garbage. Uh, the one aspect of the Putin thing I want to address, though, because um, we've received a couple of emails either directly espousing that view or we got a note from Mike the other day saying, hey, I'm running into a lot of people in my church who are like, hey, Putin's really standing up for Christianity and the rest of it. Who started uh, that story? Well, I, I, I can kind of explain it to you, and and I'm begging you to believe I'm saying this as your friend, Okay. Putin is a murderer and a torturer. He is a liar. He is a thief of enormous proportions. He embodies evil in a way not many human pe- human beings have been capable of. I mean, he he represents an astonishing level of evil, okay? And the idea that Christians are defending him because he's some sort of brave defender of Christianity is just crazy to me. But I th- I know where it came from. When Putin was rising to power from the chaos of the former Soviet Union, remember, when the Soviet Union fell, what was going to happen was not clear at all. The West, uh, for reasons both good and, and looking for profit, had certain desires for the shape the government would take and who would run it. And uh, Matt Taibbi has actually written about this. Um, a lot of the powers that be in the West loved Putin. They saw him as a guy they could do business with. He was sane. He was rational. He was sober, uh, literally sober, unlike Boris Yeltsin, who was a nutty drunk. Um, <laughs> literally sober. Yeah. And so they thought, wow, this Putin, you know, he's he's got a bit of a cold fish thing about him, but he was so smart. He knew what to say. He made noises uh, about even joining NATO to the West. He said, I see no reason uh, Russia wouldn't grow closer to Europe and have great relations and trade. Absolutely not off the table. Very cunning guy. 
One of the things he did, and here, my Christian friends, is where the evil meets the, the rubbery evil meets the road. One of the things Putin has done through the years, and this was very, very astute, is he said to the Russian Orthodox Church that was uh, beleaguered under communism and oppressed under communism, very important part of Russian culture, um, as very, various Orthodox churches are in that part of the world. He said to the Orthodox, Russian Orthodox Church, I will restore you to your position of wealth, power, and influence. I will allow you to go about your business the way you see fit. Hold your services, you know, raise money, do charity work, whatever, whatever they want to do. I'm not judging the Russian Orthodox Church's day-to-day activities here. But he said to them, I will put you back on your pedestal if you give me your support. So, in return... Another part of that deal is the a classic, Russian Orthodox... A classic move, by the way. I mean, how many kings of France or England did that over the centuries? They weren't religious at all, but they went with whichever uh, Protestant or Catholic was going to keep them in, in power. Right. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I'm glad you made it. The great religious wars of, of the past were barely about religion. Um, but uh, one of the aspects of that is he agreed with the church leaders... You tell me what your teachings are on social issues, and I will echo that from the Kremlin. And I will stand up for your traditional values, further enhancing the church and its its reach and that sort of thing. So while he is murdering and torturing and poisoning and oppressing and throwing doctors out of windows, murdering journalists in cold blood for reporting the truth, as he bilks the Russian economy for hundreds of billions of dollars, unimaginable bouts of money, he is also saying, down with whatever traditional value position, transgenderism, gay stuff, uh, you know, just whatever, you know, sexual libertinism, uh, teaching the children about, uh, you know, gender bending and the rest of it that's so troubling in American schools. And, you know, Jack and I, we're against a lot of this stuff and we, we talk about it openly. But that's the unholy bargain, literally, uh, Putin struck with the church. And that's why in some quarters he's seen as some defender of traditional values. It is a twisted and evil alliance, in my opinion. So I don't know how you'd come to the conclusion that he's actually a Christian who you know wants what's good for the world. But e- even, if, even if it were all true, you know, if I agree with all of his politics... He still doesn't get to invade other countries and bomb their hospitals and murder their children. See, that's the crazy part about tribalism. Once you've decided he's your guy, people try desperately to justify what their guy is doing. It's an aspect of tribalism or, you know, as you say, once you get an idea in your head, it's so hard to dislodge it. I'll tell you one other aspect of this I find interesting. Uh, yesterday afternoon, as as uh, Craig Gottwalls and I were trading texts about how flabbergasted we are by some commentators on the right siding with Putin, and we included Jack and uh, and Tim Sandifer in the exchange, and I'm not going to quote anybody because it wasn't for public uh, consumption, but we were talking about the nature of fascism. Um, and, uh, and, and I was explaining it to Judy, um, as we were chatting and having a cocktail last evening, it was a, a lovely a little sit-down. I'm so blessed that my wife and I still enjoy each other's company so much. But she was asking me about some of this stuff, and I explained. the th- One way to understand fascism, and I see the world through metaphors, just the way my brain works, is if if I use the example, if I got drunk and started to get like if. over 
over. <laughs> and I started to get over the top flirty with one of Judy's friends. And maybe even like uh, touched her inappropriately or something like that. And it was really uncomfortable and it was a bad scene. The Jack and I politically, we are advocating for reasonable policies and reasonable reactions. Again, to the metaphor, it would be sitting down and having a serious talk about that, writing out an apology to the person um, involved, maybe marriage counseling, that sort of thing. That's where Jack and I are in terms of being conservative. Politically, fascism is a reaction often to reasonable threats, sometimes imagined, but sometimes troubling changes in society that people don't like. So while the reasonable response to those changes in society or threats to morality or whatever are like I described with the whole drunken groping thing. I'm just drunk. The fascist reaction is um, Judy uh, punches that woman in the face and stabs me. Fascism reacts to sometimes legitimate concerns, sometimes not legitimate concerns, with extreme policies that often say things like, we've got to suspend constitutional rights because the threat is so great. We've got to oppress this group because the threat is so great. All, all of the things we claim to be for, we're still for them, but we're going to suspend them for a while because the threat is so great. It excuses its own extremism citing a threat. And I'm seeing some of my friends in conservatism getting dangerously close to that, and and it makes me uncomfortable. But, you know, that's that's a lot of political theory, and I hope it was at least semi-clear. But the long story short is Putin's freaking evil. He's evil personified. Please don't get duped into thinking he's some sort of defender of Christ for Christ's sake. And I do not use that term lightly or that phrase. Oh, to paraphrase the grandma we were playing all day yesterday, I could shoot Putin and my hands wouldn't even shake. And I'd sleep like a baby. He is a bad, bad human being. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Point of personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In the New York Times over the weekend, their editorial board, as was pointed out by reason, for anybody who doesn't know this, it's not like a columnist said this and then went ahead and printed it. No, this when the editorial board of a newspaper puts something at this out, it's like, this is our newspaper's stated opinion on this. Our whole organization, this is what we believe. America has a free speech problem. For all the tolerance and enlightenment that modern society claims, Americans are losing hold of a fundamental right as citizens of a free country, the right to speak their minds and voice their opinions in public without fear of being shamed or shunned. And it goes through... Stuff on the right that I don't all agree with, but I think they had to throw that in there to not have all their newspapers uh, burned in America, and really <laughs> heavy on taking on cancel culture on the left, which is damned interesting, from the New York Times editorial board. And um, Reason Magazine put out a piece saying, wow, we could have written this article, Robbie, Robbie Suave, who we've had on the show before, I could have written this article. The New York Times admits that America has a free speech problem. Many on the left refuse to acknowledge that cancel culture exists at all, laments the New York Times. The reaction to it 
is its own interest. Now, this is a whole bunch of blue checkmark people. If you don't aren't on Twitter, and almost nobody is, but if you're on Twitter, you know that blue checkmark people are people that rise to a certain level of importance in America. Like if you work for a newspaper or a TV station, or you're a big enough deal, you get a blue checkmark. So those opinions matter more than just like regular doofuses. A lot of your blue checkmark lefties really hated with the New York Times pointing out that cancel culture is a problem. Some guy named Adam Davidson. Again, I didn't look up who all these different people are. If I still worked at the New York Times, I would seriously think about quitting today. Watch a hot. I'm sure, o- you would. You lunatic. You adolescent. Watch a hot Ali. Retweet if you want the New York Times to add more columnists who write about the rise of fascism instead of adding more who always complain about cancel culture. Um, dude, isn't that what fascism is? You taking getting rid of the columnists that say things that you don't agree with? Yeah, the fact that that's one of the great ironies of our time is uh, lost on people like uh, whoever that is. Some blue checkmark Democrat named Kevin Kraus. If the New York Times doesn't want people being shamed or shunned for bad opinions, they can help by no longer running columns by Dowd, Brooks, or Stevens. Marine Dowd, David Brooks, and Brett Stevens are milk-toast conservatives to lefties as columnists, but they should be fired, according to this person. Jeff Jarvis, another blue checkmark lefty, and these are all from Reason, Reason pointing out the reaction of the left to this. This is appalling. The both sidesism of the New York Times comes out in full force from its editorial board as it equates the left criticizing hate and the right burning books. Pure moral panic. Criticizing hate. Oh, so you and your type get to decide what's hate and then you get Mm -hmm. to criticize it. And we'll just have to go with the fact that you're obviously right about what's hate and what's not. Okay, I get that. That makes sense. You read my mind. The uh, the point of view is our opinion is self-evidently wholly writ and cannot be disputed. And I, furthermore, I don't have to back it up. You just take it or we will savage you. Meanwhile, on the right side of the aisle, mostly, we take the point of view that, okay, here's what I think and I will explain to you why I think it. Therefore, I would appreciate uh, being allowed to speak it. On the left, no, 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 they've already decided, so no free speech for you. Um, What the New York Times gets into about cancel culture, particularly on the left, is driving people out of their jobs, you know, um, um, books not being printed, uh, movies not being shown, all that sort of stuff, because a, 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 a loud voice rises up and says, you've crossed some sort of line. The stuff they didn't like on the right, they use the example of the don't say gay law in Florida, which is completely misinterpreted as to what it is. Even Bill Maher, getting back to older lefties, said, why would we be teaching little kids about sex? Right. But I got to say, I'm not sure you need to have a state law about it as opposed to individual school districts deciding that. Um, you know, I, you can, we can argue about that particular issue. Um, but I, I think my reading of it was the, the New York Times sees the cancel culture of the left, a really big problem. They had to throw in that stuff on the right or they would have just been doomed. I mean, they got hit pretty hard by people on the left as it was. Well, right, that uh, feedback loop between the left part of the Democratic Party and the media that's reinforcing all of this gobbledygook has gotten 
people and institutions like the New York Times into a very weird spot, and the editorial board understands that. Right. You know, getting back to the ACLU statement, I thought that was interesting. They used fancy verbiage about clients that uh, don't ref- uh, that reflect values antithetical to ours. Blah blah blah. Very very fine uh, verbiage there. They broke out their thesaurus, but what they said was, "We will only defend clients we agree with." Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is a complete departure from the ACLU's soul. Reason ended with this. This philosophy must be countered by everyone who claims to hold liberal values, talking about cancel culture. It's a relief to know that the gray lady still has some fight left in her, I would say. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are, too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Chewing in and I depression. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Here's a question for you. You ever use those, uh, like, uh, like Airbnb or VRBO or anything to rent a house? I have not. Because uh, uh, I uh, dream come true. I never go anywhere or do anything is one of the reasons that I've yeah, not Yeah, I hesitated to even ask you. But, um, <laughs> I just, I used one of them and uh, dream come true. Two years deferred, but indeed, uh, my benefactor, a terrific gentleman who had master's tickets and said, I know how much you want to go. Why don't you use my tickets? Um, now, two years down the road, finally, they're going to have patrons uh, at the master's again. They don't that's, call them fans. They call them patrons. That's a golf match of some that, sort? That's a golf tournament. It's the greatest of all golf tournaments, in my opinion. But anyway, so I have uh, a couple of tickets to go to the master's, and we're trying to figure out where we're going to stay in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. And I thought I had a place rented, and the lady got back to me. She said, no, I sold that house years ago. I've been trying to figure out how to get it off of website. (laughs) And Uh, meanwhile, time's a-wasting, and more and more places are getting snatched up. Sleep in your your car. But I'm thinking I'm using the old school site. i got to Airbnb it. Um, Have you considered the Super 8? No. Oh, good Lord, no. You can't get a room, and they're crazy expensive. Oh, really? Plus, I'm going, you know, with uh, some heated family pool. members. Color television. Oh, heated pool. Heated pool full of urine and chlorine. The hell? Color television. If I'm trying to get, like, grime off of tires, I might use what's in a hotel pool. <laughs> Here's a question about the hotels. <laughs> yes. Or do you have more on that before I, before I nah, subtract? It doesn't matter. Was that a plea if somebody's listening in the Georgia area to let you stay at their home? Is that what that was? I find that extremely unlikely. No, I was just curious what people thought is the best mm. site these days. Right. It's probably Airbnb, I guess. I don't know. It's the most famous one. Mm. Um, so this happened uh, recently, I think, when I traveled to Kansas for Christmas. So uh, I'm unpacking my bag when we get home. No, when we got to the room, because all my, 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 my brothers were there, and uh, and uh, the, the kids' cousins. So this, we call it Cousin Christmas. We're all together unpacking my bag, and there's a soap in there from the hotel. And one of my kids says, Dad, you stole the soap from the hotel. <laughs> and I said, that's not stealing. And, and, and one of the people in the room, I don't remember, said, yeah, it is. And then one of the other people, a couple other people said, no, it's not. Uh, what's, what's your opinion on taking soaps? <laughs> 
it's a disposable item they expect you to use. Well, well, and which items? I'm perfectly comfortable with the soaps. Like, I'm not actually concerned. I often drive away with a mattress strapped to the roof of my car. Just speaking for myself. I assume the TV is for my for my pleasure. <laughs> what about chandeliers? I like the chandelier. Sure. If lighting, it's nice, grab it. Lots yeah. of lighting. If you come sure. to my home, it looks like you're in a Motel 6. You talk um, to any hotel manager, they'll say, you guys think you're being funny. We have lamps disappear all the time. Well, so where, where which items are completely 100% okay to take? And I don't, like, for some reason I feel a little oogie about... Um, some of the disposable items, but not the soaps for some reason. Soaps, I am completely guilt-free about taking the soaps. No, the soap, the little bottles of shampoo or, or whatever, that's 100% grabbable. Grab them. But, but, and I only do it at a decent hotel because I don't want the Super 8 soap most of the time. But this was a, we stayed at a nice hotel in Denver or wherever we were, and they had really nice soap. And so the, they got one in the shower. And one at the sink. And I use the one at the sink, and then I have to wash my hands. I use the same bar in the shower so that I can save the other bar for my own use because I like the soap. Is that, Mm -hmm. like, extraordinarily cheap or uncool, classless, theft, any of those things? It might be classless. Well, it's it's not theft. It might be those other things, but if it is, we're both guilty of it. Um, I just think, ask yourself, from the hotel's perspective, is it theft? The answer would be absolutely not for the soap. They expect you to use that, you know, uh, whether in room or, or a little bit down the road. You know, a lamp, a towel, a, a bedspread. Who <laughs> would steal those bedspreads? So gross. Ew. Oh, my God, so gross. Um, but, uh, you know, the TV, uh, the mattress, like I said, that's theft. The soap, it's not theft. Okay. It's fine. Mouthwash? Sure. The little sewing kit? The sewing kit? Yeah. Absolutely. In case I need to darn some socks. Or or the always useful shower cap. That, <laughs> I mean, I guess some gals use that occasionally, but the shower cap. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. I just, because my kids really thought, they they really looked, the look on their face was, you're not the person we thought you were. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that I had taken the soap. Uh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I didn't want to promote theft. Because I'm always talking to them all the time about how I've never stolen anything. I wouldn't steal anything. You could you know, leave the store open with nobody there. I'm not going to walk in and take anything. It doesn't make any difference. And then they see me stealing the soap from the hotel. Quote, unquote, yeah. Well, were you able to convince them otherwise? I hope do you, so. Do you think? I think so. I just was, they actually made me think, am I on solid ground here? But you're saying they're disposable items. Yeah. Okay. They they budget that they replenish that in the room every although, new guest I think or although, at least mostly. So I don't take all the coffee cups that they've uh, provided, disposable coffee cups. Oh, I haven't used these don't coffee empty cups. The so box I think, of tissues, probably. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't take the whole box of tissues. Or you know, here's a whole roll of toilet paper that's disposable. And it's for my pleasure. Um, I, I don't take the roll of toilet paper. I wouldn't even think of it, and I would consider that stealing. So there you is a great You're area right. in there. You're right. You changed my mind. You are a thief and a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I may have convinced myself that, no, you know what? I used as much toilet paper as I needed and left the rest. Any more than that would be not cool. Why is it not the same for the soap? Hmm. I only need one bar. I'm taking the other one. Yeah, I, they... can't, I can't make a good argument for taking the soap, but not the toilet paper or the tissues. Well, what if they uh, give you two packets of coffee? 
You drink one, you grab the other one. I would never Is that do out that. of line? I wouldn't do that. Really? Huh. I haven't. I, I can't justify it one way or the other. I can't make an argument one way or the other, but it it my my logic is not holding together. That's what I'm saying. Either one's okay or none of them are okay. Well, I you know, my problem with like taking the rest of the roll of TP is just that it's odd. I don't think it's a significant expense to the hotel. It's just wherever you go and there's going to be more. <laughs> I mean, unless it's the early days of the freaking COVID. And, 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 you know, people are down to using newspapers. So you load up on the, 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 the K-cups and the coffee cups and the creamer and the little straws and everything, huh? Well, no, I don't want that stuff. I suppose conceivably a K-cup? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's anyway. a cost to the hotel. True. You know what? I, I probably shouldn't tell this story. I've uh, belonged to a couple of golf clubs. Um, through the years, where there was a member who would show up, and like sometimes even like with their family, and they're they're in the pro shop at a nice golf club. You might have a basket of oranges and some hard boiled eggs or something or whatever. A hard boiled egg on a hot day. Some that's refreshing. Or, it doesn't. It's not necessarily a hot day. Anyway, so they got this stuff for the golfers if they want them, and these people would sweep in and empty all those into their pockets and walk out again. Wow. Their argument being, well, that's there for the members to enjoy. So, and uh, and and there was one guy in particular at, at, at a golf club. They had a, a a coffee machine set up, and it's a private club. Okay, so you know it's it's members there, and he'd go fill his pocket with all the K cups and walk out again. Say, wow. well, they're for the members. So, and it's like, no, 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 no. Wow, no. Yeah, how do you not see that one? Is not even close to a gray line to me. Not no, that's not cl- your business. <laughs> that one's not even close. That you're just a thief or a hoarder, some sort of weirdo. I would tend to agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I, walk I mean, that's just crazy. So, okay, so let's let's take it to the the uh, ridiculous extreme, as they say. There's a Latin term for that, I think, but I can never remember Latin terms. I speak English. Anyway, uh, so every single member does that. Say you got 300 golf members, 350. So every single member does that every day. You are no longer a golf club. You're a K-cup dispensary by the thousands and thousands, okay? Which is just insane. If most people grab that one bar of soap out of the hotel room, meh. I walk into a place and they got oranges, cool, apples, cool. The other things you mentioned, free hard-boiled eggs just isn't tripping my trigger. But maybe oh, it's, it's great. It's protein. It's a nice protein snack. Oh, it's, it's one of my favorite uh, on-course snacks. Oh, it's because you're exercising and you want to eat something healthy. Yeah. It's not you're lounging around and you're saying, you know what sounds good. <laughs> no, you, you grab it and you put it in the golf cart or in your bag or whatever. Oh, right. and you well, that's a different it thing. Course. That's like a power bar or something. Okay. Right, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, I thought, it was just, leg. I thought it was just you're hanging around, you're reading a book, sitting by the fire. You, you know, know it would be good, good right now? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do up a basket of hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my sexy pants on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What did you mostly do during the two weeks we were off? Played a fair amount of golf when weather permitted. Uh, had a great visit with Little D, my daughter. Huh, my youngest awesome. came home. My, my two older kids, and it's sad. I'm trying to 
remember my time at their age. They're both working uh, more or less hourly jobs, uh, both of them in fields that get busier during the holidays, and they both live far enough away that it would be, you know, a full day travel and a full day back. And expensive. And, and, and exp- well, I'd be willing to foot that bill, honestly, but... um. Uh, and it's just, it's too hard for them. Plus, they have significant others, both of them. And they have lives where they are. So it's uh, among their first ever out on their own Christmases. And it's a little sad for me, but I'm trying to be happy for them. Yeah, I remember when I was roughly that age. That's when I was not joining in the family, original family get-togethers. Yeah, for yeah. those reasons. And I miss them like crazy. Mm-hmm. But they both live in the Pacific, Pacific Northwest. And so, uh, Judy and I... Be more specific. <laughs> Washington and Oregon. Um, And so we're going to, at some point, probably uh, like March, uh, we're going to trek upward uh, to the Northwest and have a a Christmas junior with them. My original nuclear family that I came out of, we all got together, me, my two brothers, mom and dad, who are grandma and grandpa, to my kids and my brother's kids. My brother's nieces are all so fantastic. They set the bar really high for successful parenting. And I just don't think I'm going to get there. Wow. I just I don't I don't know. I need to ask for more recommendations or something. Um but th- th- really amazing how my nieces have turned out and they're they had kids at normal ages. My my brothers did not like me, so they're two in college and one in high school, but Jack the Tony Randall of the radio business really. But it reminds me um the Mick Jagger if you will. Oh jeez. Well, I am parenting my kids. I'm not having them and disappearing. Good distinction, yeah. sir. Well said. I Practically the only thing I do is parent my kids, um, which is fine with me. That's what I signed up for. That's what I want to do. I did it on purpose. Um, but I, interesting, did you see David Brooks' thing in the New York Times about the nuclear family? Or it might have been in the Atlantic. He is a Oh, co- yes. He's a I columnist did. for the New York Times, and he got a fair amount of attention a couple of weeks ago because he's a conservative, using my finger quotes, by New York Times standards. And he left the Republican Party and wrote a column about it. And it got a, a whole bunch of attention. And I wish this other article that he had read written had gotten as much attention. Who cares about who leaves a party or whatever? That's sort of inside Beltway pundit crap. Who cares? But he wrote an interesting part about the failure of the idea of the nuclear family. When I first saw the, saw the headline, I thought, I'm going to hate this. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. Exactly the same. Because yep. I'm pro-nuclear family, or at least uh, until I looked at it through this lens. You know, I just think there's, I, I really don't think there's anything more important than family at all. But his idea was that somehow we went down this road of the nuclear family being the building block of society and by nuclear family, we mean mom, dad, and kids. And what has worked throughout history for human beings is mom, dad, kids, brothers, sisters, grandparents, cousins. Right. All being together and working together as a unit. And the nuclear family, he said, is not working. For one thing, it tends to not hold families together as well, which I think is completely clear. And all the just all the different things. I mean, watching my kids around grandma and grandpa and my brothers and cousins, the amount of influence they got just in the couple of days we were together from, you know, the people that raised me, from the people Mm -hmm. that are my siblings, seeing how we interact as adults and them as kids. And we were kids, you know, all all that different stuff plays such a huge role. And a lot of you are fortunate enough that you are living that old. I know people, uh, my son's best friend. 
Uh, there's nine nine kids of the adults, and they're all together, and they all everything is everything. Babysitters are always brothers, sisters, cousins, that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, and grandma and grandpa are always around. That's just awesome. But for a lot of us, that's not the way we've crafted our lives, and we we're missing out on a lot. Yeah, and uh, one of the points Brooks makes, and and others have made, and I think it makes pretty good sense. Also, is that so much of the world at this point is designed purely to make us economical animals. Um, economic animals, spenders, uh, you know, uh, workers, consumers, economic animals. Um, when life is so much more than that, and and so you have just the nuclear family, and that pressure to to say be in a nice house, have nice cars, mean both mom and dad have to work, and then you're farming out childcare, etc. Whether it's to a childcare center or a babysitter or whatever. Um, and in some cases, absolutely, it's a necessity. And one thing, one of my, it's not a New Year's resolution exactly, but I've rededicated myself. And part of it was inspired by the essay from Abigail Schreier I read you chunks of early in the show. If you missed it, go get the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. But she was talking about the reason she wrote her book, Irreversible Damage, about the craze of adolescent girls to decide they're transgender. And then the rush to get them carved up and hormoned up and the rest of it and the irreversible damage it does. She wrote the book because it's true. She wasn't looking to make a point. She wasn't. She's not an activist. She's not a rabble rouser. She's not a troll. She saw this and she wrote it because it is. And the fact that it makes you or me or anybody else uncomfortable to come to terms with what is is not an excuse to avoid it. Rather long tangent to what we were talking about. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I am not judging anybody who has their kid in daycare, babysitters, whatever. For a lot of people, depending on where you live, that's the only way to feed yourselves or, or whatever. Again, you run your life the way you see fit. But as a society, we've gotten away from the extended family being the unit. And the availability of child care, help with meals, uh, you know, the, the, the tree falls down. Who do I turn to to help me with it? You know, I'm trying to think of some manly, manful things and, and that sort of thing. Who mentors your sons? Who yeah. mentors your daughters? The role model aspect of it is huge. Oh, it's enormous. It's enormous. And I think we have in the last... You know, and, and Brooks is pretty specific about this, but the trend away from the extended family generally staying in a geographic location um, to the nuclear family being its own unit, very much a unit. You know, that's just been like a half a century, mm-hmm. and that's nothing. Please, that is that is a microsecond in terms of the human experience, and and it does leave certain things to be desired. And it, I think it's worth taking a look at. I'll dig that up. We'll have the link at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, it's an interesting notion. I hadn't heard anybody bring up before. And, you know, uh, and one more tangent, uh, trying to explain what I was, because uh, I don't want to offend anybody, not because I hesitate to offend people. If you've ever listened to the show, you know what happens regularly. But we as a society, particularly m- American media and social media, rush to good thing, bad thing. In favor of it, against it. Good for Republicans, bad for Democrats. You know, which tribe am I in? We don't spend enough time just taking in truth and thinking about it and rubbing our chins and thinking, wow, that's good in some ways and bad in some ways. Some of that was unanticipated. The, you know, the whole unanticipated, what's the uh, rule of unanticipated consequences? Uh, You know, I think we could all stand to be a little slower. A little slower to judge. And everything 
in life is a trade-off. Everything. Sure. Oh, 100%. Why people can't always grasp that. Yeah. This yeah. is better, but this will be worse. Let's weigh them and choose a side, but there are yeah. always trade-offs. Yeah. You remember uh, when you traded that 800-pound hog for that used car, Michael? That was a trade-off. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I mean, you don't have that hog anymore, and some days you miss them, don't you? I do. <laughs> you have a way to get to work, but it's the last time you had bacon. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.